And we're live. Welcome, guys. It's ATLN's United Podcast. It's a Five Stripe Friday. I'm Blake the Marshman, joined by my co-host. My name is ATL Joe. ATL Joe. This is episode number 28. We are coming off of another home game at the Benz. We played Toronto. We drew. And now we look forward to not playing this next week. So we have some time to rest and recover. But we're going to still be super hyped. And we're super excited to catch you guys up on all things Atlanta United. Let's do the thing. Woohoo! Free weekend! Hey, AT aliens, don't forget to give us five stars for the five stripes. We love those high ratings and they do good for us. And what a perfect time, Blake, for our bye week, because there is so much going on in Atlanta. It gives you the freedom to go out and do whatever you want uh, to name a f- one really cool thing that's coming up this week. And I'm going to try to get it. But tickets are way expensive. But one of the great comedian duos coming in, we got Dave Chappelle and Jon Stewart. Yeah, I did not know these guys, first off, were a comedy duo. Uh, speaking of stars, uh, I'd say these are two of the biggest stars from comedy. Uh, I would give them both five stars. It's Dave Chappelle! And the cool thing about both of these guys is they're funny in very different styles. So I think if you go see Dave Chappelle and Jon Stewart... You're going to get a very broad range of comedy, and I think this is a hot ticket. I know they're going to be in town for four nights, Uh, so gosh, I I wish I could attend one of these. I don't know if I have the cash flow for it either. How much are tickets going for? I saw I saw some out there for ninety bucks, and honestly, I could probably go to like three Atlanta United games for that type of money. That's true. That's (laughs) true. But we got someone else in town that uh, maybe some of our listeners would be a huge fan of. Maybe not so much myself. Uh, the infamous Taylor Swift. Joe, are you going to be there? Well, it's part of the reason we have a bye week this week because Taylor Swift came in and said, uh, no, 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 I'm going to use Mercedes-Benz Stadium this weekend. And no, I'm not going to be there. Who has better hair, Taylor Swift or Joseph Martinez? Joseph Martinez. I 100% agree with you. We roll on. Uh, Decatur Barbecue Blues and Bluegrass Festival, Saturday. That sounds better to me personally than a taylor swift concert but like that's probably where you're gonna find me this weekend on saturday in downtown decatur it's a really cool spot they got live music and good beer good good barbecue too so why wouldn't you be there because you might be at atlanta's reggae in the park at perkerson park that's also going on ugly this we have great diversity going on right now in atlanta in terms of what you could do this weekend there's so many options Obviously, none of them as good as an Atlanta United match. Yeah, but uh, Parkerson Park is another fun spot. I've played disc golf out there, and who doesn't like reggae music? I mean, it's just a fun, loving vibe. I don't so. know if my parents do, but uh, you also could go to the Summer Wine Fest if you're feeling like uh, volatizing some esters 
and uh, doing a little wine sampling. That's going to be at City Winery. Yeah, and City Winery just opened up uh, earlier last year, I believe. And ever since then, there's been multiple wine festivals there. They have great music. But also, if, if you're not a wine fan and you're being drugged there by your girlfriend, they've got a, a pretty good beer selection going to go on at this wine fest, too. Yeah. The main key, and I've seen this done before when people have a little bit too much to drink, is you got to make sure not to actually like pour your wine into a beer and mix it together and drink it. I've seen it attempted even by by a close friend of mine. So I would highly <laughs> advise against that if you guys are at City Winery. Now, was that close friend of yours actually you in another world? Well, sometimes I use close friend to tell stories so that it doesn't track back to me. But I'm not going to comment on that, Joe. I'm just blowing your cover. Okay. Well may or may not confirm that <laughs> well another thing I, I know we mentioned this a lot but Fernbank is doing another cool thing and i've just really enjoyed seeing them trying to get more traffic through Fernbank because they've been really slow but that last week they did a silent disco and now this week they're doing brewing and bootlegging what is that i'm not exactly sure but it definitely involves beer and it involves Science, the illegal liquor trade of the 1930s. Yeah, <laughs> so, so it sounds interesting, and I, I would uh, highly suggest you guys go and check that out because Fernbank, I, I think, is a pretty cool spot. But maybe I'm just too much of a nerd. Well, you might be wondering uh, if this is actually a soccer podcast. If this is the first time you guys are listening to us, we are going to talk about some soccer. It's just ATL's off week coming up. Let's talk about a signing that. We, we have had a, and we'll get to it later in the show, a little bit of a disaster at left back in terms of injuries. Here is a left back. He's an ex-Arsenal and Manchester City man, played in some of the top leagues around the world. Bakary Sanya. He's a former French national team member, and he just signed with... Montreal. Montreal. The French part of the MLS. Freaking Canada. <laughs> French Canadians. French Canada. French Canada. Yeah. Blame, it, blame Canada. You know, and it was a hot news, big time rumors. Everyone thought we were going to sign him before the deadline of the of the big international signing window. And he goes on and signs for someone else. And our left back hunt is still out there. So, Bakari Sagna, you are not the left back we're looking for. He's not the left back we're looking for. Still top of the supporter shield, ATL United. We are hanging on by a thread. And we'll get to that later. If you guys keep listening to the show, or if you just want to fast forward because you hate to hear Joe and I talk, at the end we're going to do a little Supporter Shield standings update, a little forecasting on how we can get a trophy this year. Um, <laughs> Blake, you know, uh, that, was, that was a great news section. It was really fun, but tell me what's hurting. I don't know. Injury report. Injury. Injury. Injury report. couple things are hurting joe i'm just gonna go ahead and throw this out there one is our home form continues to be a problem and we'll talk about that later let's talk about our players and what's hurting there we now have no left back well we have a, a hybrid left back that became a left back last year because mikey ambrose this past week and I hate this term. I'm going to go on a miniature rant here when people say have undergone successful surgery. Surgery is not successful. There's nothing successful about our player being out for the rest of the season. He's out for three to four months. He tore his meniscus, which is something I've actually done in the past, so I know it's not fun. Garza is obviously out until at least the playoffs. But they're like, oh, great news. Breaking news from Atlanta United. Successful surgery. 
You're like, what? No, no, this is this is terrible news. This is terrible surgery, is what it should say. Ter- breaking terrible news. Atlanta United has announced that there was a terrible surgery involving Mikey Ambrose, and now we don't have a left back. A successful surgery would be breaking news. Successful surgery. Mikey Ambrose is back in your lineup tomorrow. Maybe in, in 50 years or so, once medicine evolves a little bit more, we'll get to that point. But I, I think this should have said, Mikey Ambrose has gone undergone unsuccessful surgery because now you don't have a left back. For a minute there, I thought you said Mikey Ambrose has gone blind, but that is not what you said. Honestly, I would take up... Never mind, I'm not even going to go there. Enough with injuries. It's time for the recap. Just blowing right through the injury report. Here I hate go. injuries. <laughs> but recap is going to be another injury to add on to the injury report uh. because we did not win this week. It is very frustrating. Go to another home game and come away with a draw. AUFC! La, 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 la. And we always think we're going to win, and I just love getting really hype. And and we just blew it again, Joe. Yeah. At home. At home, and now that really solidifies that our road record is better than our home record, which is the only thing that's keeping us on top of the Supporter Shield standings. Unbelievable. Uh a little caveat there, though. We only draw. We drew the game. We did not lose. We still got one point, as frustrating as it is. But we still drew. drew and now that brings our winning streak. Our sorry, our point streak, non losses, up to five games now. And it's also an interesting stat. We have now never beaten Toronto, and Toronto has still never beaten us. So this <laughs> is going to be exciting to watch. We drew them every time last year. We've drawn them every game this year. So how long will this continue? Not only that, is every game has ended two to two. Two to two. Uh, and last year it came down to a 90th minute goal, and this year it came down to a 90th minute goal. It, it, it always comes down, and Tito was the one to tie it up for us in Toronto at the very beginning. So maybe the the thing will still continue down in Toronto at the very end of the season, and Tito will be the guy to tie it up two to two. Yeah, really deflating for Atlanta United fans. I think especially at home because we were up. You know, at the very end of the game, they score in the 90th minute. They also scored in the 46th minute in the first half. They held it to the last minute of each half to score on us. It's like our players were already heading to the locker room. Once again, we make a late substitution, try to switch a formation. We'll tackle that a little bit later, but we draw the game, and this one hurt. If we got three points here, we would have been in a really great position moving forward. Yeah, and Blake, uh, what really, really was a head-scratcher to me and what really hurt is going into halftime and we were down one nothing. And you look at the box score, and it shows Atlanta United 10 shots, zero goals. Toronto won. Toronto had one shot. One shot. And that shot happened to go into the goal. We know what they say about stats and soccer. There's only one stat that matters, Joe. And the World Cup kind of proved it. And that's Atlanta United winning. That's the only stat that matters. goals. Goals is the only stat that matters, which would involve Atlanta United winning. So I 100% agree. Yeah, so... I don't get in. It was it continued throughout the game. The total shots that Toronto had were three shots. Atlanta had a thousand. Yeah, we I, just couldn't put them in the back of the net. Yeah, I think it was nine hundred and seventy-two, but right around there. And Toronto had three shots. Two of them went in the goal. The third one was Giovinco hitting the crossbar. Easily could have scored. They could have gone three for three. I have those FIFA games every now and then where the guy that's playing me is just shooting over and over and over again. Well, then I take like two shots and I beat him 2 nothing. 
you know, everyone has those days. It's important to be accurate when you're shooting. And that brings me to our favorite player to discuss shooting, Miguel Almiron. He launched a couple more over the bar this game. I mean, and not only over the bar, uh, around the bar, through the bar, but not through the net. One on one with the keeper, and he just kind of missed the ball entirely. He for sure had the best chance of the entire game in that first half where he broke loose, was right in front of the goal, and he went to go adjust his body to shoot it, and he shot it wide right. Like yeah. he was a kicker with the laces in. Yeah, now Joseph, you know, Joseph got two goals in this game. He also missed a good opportunity as well. Let's talk about the very end of the game. There was a brawl of sorts. Uh, there's a lot of social media posts going on afterwards. There was a picture of Josie Altidore with both of his hands around Miguel Almiron's neck. Yeah. Uh, Chris Mavinga was sent off for punching LGP in the face. This was quite a hostile environment at the end. The ref seemed like he didn't know what to do. It was all stemming from a potential penalty on Miguel Almiron, which I thought should have gone to VAR because I I thought the defender came through the back of his leg. But anyways, it ends in a brawl. It was a crazy ending to the game. ESPN, once again, the MLS looks totally stupid on national television. And it looks like they just don't have it together. Yeah, and that was a crazy ending. It, it comes down to a long ball. Miguel Amaron has maybe one final chance. And then Mavinga comes in and stops the ball. And Miguel falls down. I don't think it was a penalty at all. But the craziest part happened after the ref blew the whistle. And obviously, Miguel and Mavinga were exchanging words. Not, But it was weird because they weren't looking at each other and they were walking away. And then all of a sudden, things got heated up and he started yelling at Miguel and Miguel just keeps walking away like he should do and then our other players intervene and get in the way and as the sideline ref comes in to separate them in between LGP and Mavinga really yelling at each other he separates them Mavinga kind of reaches around the ref and slaps LGP in the face and LGP did a wonderful acting job on top of that to get him the red card well and in LGP's defense I, I, for one, support the flop in this situation. If you get if you get slapped or punched in the face, you should probably fall down because otherwise the ref's not going to see it. Now, the problem with this is that, you know, Toronto needs to beat the teams that are that are up close to us in the Sporter Shield standing. So I hope that Mavinga isn't out for three or four games. I don't know if he's going to get banned for a long period of time for the punch, but we need Toronto to beat the New Yorks of the world we need Toronto to beat the teams that are, you know, fighting for us in Sporter Shield. So I don't even like the red card because the red card happened after the game ended, so it was worthless. Yeah. But yeah, Mavinga gets a red card. And on top of that, you said that New York. Oh, guess who Toronto's next opponent is? New York. Is New York. And uh, one thing I want to clear up, I don't know if you guys follow Twitter of other teams, but... Toronto's Twitter went crazy and they started saying the reason Mavinga freaked out is because Miguel Amaron spit at him. And I went back and watched the replay numerous times when I heard that because I do not stand for that. Enhance. But I watched the replay multiple, multiple times and there is absolutely no sign or of spit coming at Mavinga. How many times did you enhance? As many as I could. Did you zoom in? I, control on, control zoom control on, plus on Miguel's mouth. Yeah, enhance, enhance, enhance. I saw a tiny bit of saliva, but it just might have been from him talking. I watched the same replay, but I only enhanced four times. Okay, but so on top of that, that's just a load of of mahogany. Mahogany. It's a type of wood. Rich mahogany. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like the smell of rich mahogany. <laughs> but it was Mahoney, so don't believe anything that you hear about that. Uh, but the cap off the game, one bright, bright point is our very own Joseph Martinez with a brace. He had a brace. You know what, Joe? We haven't done this in a long time. And to our new listeners, this might be new to you. But I think it's got to be time for a Joseph Martinez! Yes! It's been a long time coming. Joseph has been rocking this new hair, which I, for one, always, always admire Joseph's hair. He has to get a haircut at least twice a week because it's always something new. Right now, he has been rocking very well and is in the best form of his life. He's in the best form of the MLS. I saw a debate on ESPN whether Joseph Martinez was the greatest MLS player ever on ESPN FC, the show. And it is going to be what we will call the blonde skunk with low fade. It's working. Keep it rolling, Joseph. He has 13 goals in nine games. He has been named to the MLS Team of the Week for three weeks in a row. And I am attributing this 100%. I went over this before the season even started. Joseph with blonde hair equals goals. So I used to think it was down to the style of his hair, but I have I have come to the conclusion that the style has no effect whatsoever on Joseph's goal-scoring prowess. It is 100% the color of his hair. Would you agree, Joe? Well, in this run, I, I would argue that at times it's been a little more bleach blonde, which you can consider as like a, a white at times. Yeah. Would you consider that? Yeah, no. and it's so weird because he's also gone with the gray at some point. And, you know, I just feel like he also has been injured with, with like the periwinkle, as we called it, in the past. So if he changes his hair before the season's over in this kind of form, I think it is absurd. And that is why I wanted to have a hair watch this week is to, if Joseph, who we know is a weekly listener of the podcast, we've confirmed that. Uh, via anonymous sources if he's listening which we know you are please stay blonde do whatever you want with your hair i know he gets like some tiger eyebrows going at some point as well or the five stripe eyebrows yeah. he has five stripes in his eyebrows. totally support the tiger stripe five stripe eyebrows please just keep your hair blonde joseph you're in fantastic form he's he's got what mls team of the week the last three weeks that is insane you know it's unfortunate uh he didn't do a stripe in his eyebrow per goal that he gets because by now he would at least have no eyebrow on one side yeah and like very minimal hair on the other side of his eye well he it has, would look weird he has the beard he could start striping that and then he'd just morph into a, a five stripe tiger eventually he would just be bald if he just keeps shaving off a stripe of some part of his hair on his face he eventually would have no hair on his face so Joseph, we're not suggesting that you cut off part of your hair every time you score a goal, but we are going to remain firm that you keep your hair blonde. Let's talk about, in all reality, how ridiculous Joseph has been playing this year. He is two goals away from the MLS season record, and we have, what, 10 games left? Yeah, and to clarify that, he's one goal from tying it, but two goals from owning it all solely by himself. And that, that's insane. On top of that, he's averaging more than a goal per game. And if you go around the world in European leagues or Mexican leagues or South American leagues, 
it's going to be few and far between players that you find that average one goal per game. And now his goals per game average is about 1.3. That is an insane on-fire pace, and I hope he can keep it up. Uh, Statistics say that eventually he's going to come back down to earth a little, but I don't want to see that happen this year. So maybe he can just blow it out of proportion for the rest of the season. I mean, Joe, do you really think that Joseph is the kind of guy that looks at statistics and says, huh, it's about time I hit a bad run of form? I feel like Joseph wakes up with his Wheaties every morning and looks at himself and says, I'm going to get a hat trick every morning. Even if he's not playing a game that day, he probably goes out and practice just to get a hat trick. He's probably like, hey, Brad, jump in goal. I'm going to score a hat trick on you really quick. And then he goes home and he sleeps well because he scored a hat trick. That's (laughs) the way I see it. Anyways, Joe, well, moving on. Some of the other players are not scoring, like Miguel Amaron, and Joseph is scoring to make up for that. And a lot of play, a lot of people are interested, are, are worried that why why is everyone else not scoring and Joseph is, but it's working for us. And one thing I want to add to all of that is for Joseph to score, it requires people feeding him the ball constantly and giving good service. And we have not lacked that all year. We have multiple guys with over five assists just to Joseph alone. That's pretty phenomenal on its own. I got to give a special shout out to one of our podcast favorites, uh, Gresselmania. Gresselmania! He has delivered some superb balls into Joseph this year. If you guys go back and watch all of Joseph's goals for the season, then just look at some of the balls that, that Gresselmania has played he is woven it is that the right word woven it through defenders on multiple occasions to put it on a tee for Joseph to poke home I I, I can't tell you how good this guy's service has been this year but all credit goes to Joseph because he's put in the back of the net and long may it continue yeah it's wonderful and to all that Joseph Martinez I dedicate this to you I need a beer Every week. Every week. And Joseph Martinez, as long as you keep scoring goals, I'll keep dedicating beers to you. And this week, we bring you a brewery out of Peachtree City, which is the city I went to high school in. And it's from Lion Creek Brewing. And it's a brewed awakening all-day breakfast stout. It's got coffee, vanilla, nutty, and roasty. Well, that's just what it says on the can, so I don't think those are actually ingredients. I think coffee, vanilla, and nuts are. Well, let me spike this in for you guys. A-T-L! Joe. Joseph. Martinez. Uh, Is your spike stuck in the beer? My spike is definitely stuck in It's wedged <laughs> inside the beer. <laughs> this is a, this oh, a, there we go. This is a podcast first to our new listeners. Joe always spikes home a beer, but I have never seen the golden spike of Atlanta United stuck I in, went uh, silent a for a can. second because I could not pull this. It was like the Sorcerer's Stone, and I just needed to find my prince to pull it out for yeah, me. Yeah, you were going way too hard. Apparently, my prince was my left hand, and so my left hand is going to be the one that drinks this beer. That's That's fair. Uh, so, Line Creek, I'm not super familiar with Line Creek Brewing Company. We always try to feature a Georgia beer on ATLN's United podcast for Beer of the Week. We've had some great ones. This one, uh, I thought this was funny. It said on the back of the can that, uh, you know, breakfast and brunch are overrated. This stout will get you started on the right note. So, yeah, I guess they're, they're encouraging you to drink one of these instead of breakfast or brunch on a Saturday morning. 
I might try that. I've uh, I've never been to Lion Creek. Uh, growing up in Peachtree City, I, there was no breweries there, and I was underage, so I couldn't drink. But this was specially delivered to us, and now I'm going to have to make a special visit to Lion Creek and pay homage to my high school town. Yeah, but and the the taste of this beer, it's very much like a brown ale, but very much roasty and like a dark coffee mixed with a brown ale it's like a carbonated coffee yeah it's fantastic if you guys haven't been to line creek and you guys are otp or you live down south check it out it just opened up in in this spring of 2018 uh you know it's a craft brewery and their motto is we're dedicated to making beer excellent so we fully support making beer excellent it takes a lot of dedication to make beer excellent you have to be dedicated so, guys, get down there. Check out Line Creek. This is a great breakfast beer for a Friday morning, for a five-stripe Friday. Let's let's talk, because we got we don't have a game coming up this weekend. Let's just get it right into Tata's Tactics. Tata. Da, 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 da. That's just a fun one to dance to, that, yeah. that little bumper. That's my favorite one. Can we just do some Tata's tactics? Yeah. And it's just like formations, formations. Three, four, three. We need to teach the, uh, three, drum, five, two. the drum line of Atlanta United four, that three, little three. drum beat, and then we can make a chant to it during the games. And you just have them making that with the bass drum yeah. and all oh, the little drums. Tata. We'll have to bring that to the tailgate. Do a little ta-ta chant to that song. Ta-ta-ta, ta-ta-ta. Okay, let's talk about the lineup we rolled out with against Toronto. Now, we speculated because we didn't have, you know, a left back. It was one. Of, it was the toughest prediction all year long. But we also didn't have a right back because Escobar was suspended. So we didn't have any wing backs or defensive backs. So I guess the logical decision was to bring out three at the back, which is what Tata rolled out. Yes, and I mentioned that briefly, but I, I was not confident enough to say we're doing three at the back. And I apologize to my listeners because I froze last week and I did not go out with a confident what our lineup is going to be. And they came out with three at the back and they moved Larry down as the third center back. Uh. And they used Chris McCann and Gresselmania as our left and right wing backs. Yes. And they kept Parkey and they kept LGP in the back three. They had Remedy as that strong enforcer central defensive midfielder. Mm -hmm. So that defensive midfield was virtually three people because you had Remedy, Gressel, and McCann. And then the rest of it was focused on attacking, where you had Almiron up front, and you had two strikers in Joseph Martinez and Tito Vajalba. But the odd thing about that is Tito Vajalba kept dropping back further and further and played more as a midfielder, and Miguel Almiron kept pushing up further and further, and almost like they switched who was going to be attacking midfield and who was going to be the, the striker. I personally hated this formation, Joe. You did. I hated it. I hated everything about it. I hate how we play with three at the back. I think that Tata's system is focusing on pressing, number one, and possession, number two. So he wants his players to press high up the pitch, regain possession in the midfield, and quickly attack, which we do a great job of when we're firing on all cylinders. Mm -hmm. The problem is he keeps rotating players into positions where I think they're not strongest. 
I do not think that Jeff Lorinowitz is a strong center back. I just don't. I agree with you on that. And and I thought that he played great as that that two defensive midfielder pivot when he was playing with Remedy just the game before with Almiron playing directly in front of them. I thought that was a fantastic midfield three. I don't know why we would break that up when we could have still played Gressel at right back and we could have still played McCann at left back and kept Parkey and LGP in the middle. I would have stayed with four at the back personally. Well, Blake, I, I hear what you're saying there, but I want to counter you with saying that I really like this lineup. I thought it was employed, especially with what we had at our, our at the helm. It, he employed possibly the best that he thought we could have. And we should have won this game. If you look at how many shots on goal and shots overall that we just had, our offense was firing on all cylinders until it came to putting the ball in the back of the net. We already mentioned Miguel Amaron missed that one-on-one. Well, he missed three one-on-one opportunities this game. Tito Vijalba missed a one-on-one late in the game where he had it. He had a chance to cross it across to Joseph or shoot, and both were good options. And he shot and missed the target completely. Gresselmania had one shot that could have gone in, but he missed the target. We had our chances to score, and we only gave up three shots in this so I enjoyed the lineup. I thought it was good with what we had. If Escobar could have replaced for Lorenowitz, which is what we've got in in the future, it could be a very good lineup. Now, we tied the game. We gave up multiple shots, and they did expose us at times. But all in all, 30-plus shots, only two goals, that's unacceptable. Yeah, I think earlier in the show I said it was around 972 shots. It might have been a stretch tiny bit of a stretch i think what i saw that i did not like and i am a huge kratz kratz fever fan but i thought that we should have stuck with four at the back like i said i'm gonna harp on this kept remedy and larry in the defensive midfield let almiron play that that free number 10 that central attacking midfield role and then what we would have had would have been a great option up front and I'm going to keep harping on it because I don't think he deserved to be benched. I thought Carlton should have played on the left, Tito on the right, and Joseph up front. Because like you said, I thought Tito looked like he didn't know what to do. He didn't know if he was a striker. He didn't know if he was a right wing. He didn't know if he was a central attacking midfielder. And then Miggy would just come up and be like, oh, I'm going to shoot, which is what Miggy normally does. And this, this year it hasn't been going in, even though he's getting increasing interest from Europe, uh, allegedly even though the English transfer window closed today. So we know that Miggy, and we can confirm, as of Friday morning, August the 10th, Miguel Almiron is not going to England this transfer window. Now, the rest of the European window is still open for teams in Spain and Germany. I do think we need to hit on this, though, Joe. Miggy's going nowhere, and I think part of the, the reason the interest has died Woo-hoo! down... And it's fantastic for our, us and our team, but I think it has to be his shooting accuracy. I mean, I think we have to talk about this. It's just been subpar to poor this year. Yeah, and it really has. And emphasis that Tata put on him last year, and he took it and ran with it, was to shoot more. And yeah. this year, he even has shot more. I think the emphasis now should be less on that and now be the playmaker. Find the open man. Get more assists. He's still leading the team in assists. Imagine if half the shots that he missed, he used to find Joseph Martinez. He looked up. How many goals? How many 
30 plus goals Joseph Martinez would have and Tito I mean sorry Miguel would probably be close to 20 assists already Joe have you ever seen Office Space the movie yeah I've seen Office Space you know when the boss comes by and he asks him for the TPS reports the dreaded TPS reports yeah if you could go ahead and get me that TPS report that would be great I feel like Tata needs to have a good chat with with Miggy and he needs to walk in the locker room one day and I don't know how it would be said in Spanish, but it would be something along the lines of, yeah. See? I know I told you to shoot more, but if you if you could go ahead and just stop doing that. No more galazo. That would be great. No mas. Yeah. Buenos. Thank you for the translation. I just, I love Miguel Amaron. I think he's arguably going to be the best player that plays in Atlanta United jersey, maybe of all time. Hopefully not. Hopefully we continue to pump out great talent, and I'm confident we will. But Miguel Almiron's a special talent. But him thinking he's some sort of striker this year has just totally befuddled me, and I'm over it. Yeah, and so th- he's still got time to, to improve, but everyone's getting frustrated. And on top of everyone getting frustrated, between the boxes, Miguel Marone is still playing fantastic. Oh, he's one of the best players in the league, without a doubt. Yeah, and I don't even think it's an argument of one of. He, I think he is the best player from box to box, on the ball, dribbling in and out of trouble, and and providing good crosses as well at times. So it's a it's one thing that you can have. And eventually, if you keep pouring water on the on the roof, keep pouring water on the roof, the roof will cave. And so that's kind of what his strategy has been with the shots. And he's just in a really poor run of form on shots. And it might be a confidence issue. But if he keeps pouring water on the roof, it's going to cave. And he's going to eventually get another goal or two or three before the end of the season. And hopefully he hits a good run of form right at the end of the season going into playoffs. Yeah, I love seeing Miguel shoot when he's open. I think everyone's been frustrated by him shooting when he's not. Let's talk about something else, Joe, that I've really wanted to talk about left back i hit on in the injury report we're not totally screwed but we're, we're a little bit screwed we called up george bellow george bellow is how old 16 years 16 year old george Six- bellow so now our is he our backup left back technically now on the depth chart he would be sitting right behind chris mccann at left back so our backup left back is 16 years old we're trying to make a run for two trophies right now uh the sport of shield and the mls cup and Chris McCann actually didn't come through, you know, his soccer career as a left back. He transitioned to that last year when Garza got hurt. Now we have two left backs hurt. I was super pumped about Mikey Ambrose. I thought he was playing great. I thought he was showing great pace. Came up through the Dallas Academy. He was playing soccer the way that Tata likes to play it. He was making intricate passes, pass and move, pass and move. He was pressing well. He was getting up and down the wing. I loved his movement off the ball. And Chris McCann is a talented soccer player, without a doubt. He has a lot of experience. He's played in in leagues all over the world. And I really like his style and his grit. But he does not have the speed on the flank that Tata likes in his system when he plays fourth to back. He normally likes a speedy left to right back. And honestly, he doesn't have that connection with the front three or four that I saw with Ambrose. So left back is a huge concern for me moving forward. What's your thoughts? I mean, this is not the left back we were looking for. 
<laughs> no, but uh, Chris McCann is our left back for the, now the foreseeable future, and it's going to be that way. And good news, our right back that was missing last game, Escobar, is back in the lineup. He served his suspension, and now his yellow cards count starts over. So as long as he doesn't get five yellow cards or a red card, he should be in the game. Or uh, for as long as we can see, as long as he doesn't run into Brad Guzan. Escobar's back. Yeah, so Escobar back on there, and then we got Chris McCann on the left. And it's not the worst option. He's played very well defensively all season long. He filled in great as a center back at a spot start. And he the one game when Mikey Ambrose was getting torched on the left side, we were able in Philadelphia, we were able to sub in Chris McCann as a defensive sub, and he kind of solidified and rode out the rest of that game so we could get the win. Chris McCann is a, a very good option. The What scares me and what I believe scares everyone else is what happens if Escobar or McCann go down. And now we're going to be stuck with, I, I'm excited to see young players like George Bellow come up, but at the same time, it's like a, a giddy, scared excitement because he could easily be burned or be all, not as good as everyone thinks he is. Uh, so it's kind of it's intriguing. Um, the transfer deadline is still the transfer window is still open, and even when it closes, there is chances to bring players who are out of contract. You can go bring an old guy, veteran, back in. There's a lot of options all the way till late September to bring somebody in just as a reserve role, and that's what we are looking for. And I think the front office is searching long and hard to find somebody like that. But until then, you know what I want to say is. Who can? McCann can. McCann can. Who can? McCann McCann can. Remember McCann's can't? That's where I got that from. Yeah. So (laughs) from Brian McCann of the Braves. Yeah. And now we got Chris McCann of Atlanta United, and he is the new who can. Atlanta does have some pretty talented McCanns that have come through in the professional sports world. Yeah. So we've got a good lineup going forward. Our starters are there with a with. Outside of Darlington Nagby and Greg Garza, who have gone down. So, Blake... Well, are they? Are they? And I'm going to halt you right there. Because earlier I was like, Escobar's back. Which reminded me of, of, you know, if you've been listening to our show for a little while. We had an episode, probably about 10 or 12 weeks ago, when Barco came back from injury. Barco, come back. Barco, come back. Yeah, you can blame it all on sliding into the DMs. Because Barco... Decided to slide into some DMs, and we have not seen Barco for, what is it, a month now? It's not the only D he's been sliding. Honestly, Barco, we don't know where you are. We don't know what's happened to you. We don't know if you're a part of the team anymore. No one comments on you. Women everywhere hate you. Please come back and and prove us all wrong. Because apparently Tata still doesn't feel comfortable starting Carlton. I thought Carlton played great the game he started. The next game, no Carlton. So we got Kratz, who didn't even get to take a free kick, which is the only reason I like seeing Kratz. He took one free kick, Blake, if you don't remember. I don't blame you because it was forgetful. He ran up on the ball to take that free kick, paused, because it looked like he saw something in the goalie or defense or something, and he slowed down his run and then kind of froze and then took one step and kicked the ball into the wall. And it was so uncrats-like that you would be like, that wasn't Kratz that kicked the ball. That, mm. that was the worst free kick I've seen all year. He must have gotten the fever, the Kratz-Kratz fever. 
in the wrong way. Yeah, maybe he saw something in the stands. Like, man, that looks like a, a tasty bag of popcorn. Is that Vasquez's wife? Dude, we don't need to turn into TMZ. Barco, we don't know when you're coming back to the team. We're not even going to mention you until you do. Well, like, I want to have a prediction of when do you think, is he going to make the 18? When do you think the next time he's on the bench? And even further, when do you think he gets the graces of Tata to start again? So there's two ways to alienate a fan base. Number one, do something that is utterly stupid in the middle of a great season. He's already accomplished that. Okay? There's another way to alienate a fan base is to piss off an entire gender. And I think Barco's done both. Both I genders? Think, I think women everywhere, and I'm not. We brought in Britt, our producer, for a female perspective. And to our listeners, I apologize if I'm stepping beyond the realm of what I should be saying, but I would say that women everywhere do not respect a man that cheats on his wife with another player's teammate. Therefore, Barco has alienated our fan base and women in general. I don't think it looks good for him. I thought he was going to come back after a two-game suspension. He didn't turn up. He wasn't even in the stadium. Like, I don't know. I don't know when he comes back. I don't know if we see him this year. I'm being serious. Well, you know what? I'm moving on. I'm done talking about Barco. Yeah, Barco's no longer going to be talked about on our podcast until he plays again. I think that should be our official stance. You know what we should talk about is the stand and the standings. Atlanta, the stands? Atlanta United <laughs> is still first place in that supporter shield and there are P teams right on their back. They are running. There it is not only a four team race, but now it's a five team race. Let's talk about it. Who who is your biggest threat, Joe? Because we got the two New Yorks. They are sitting four points behind us each. But New York has two games in hand on us. So if they won both those games, they would be two points ahead of us. That's the Red Bulls. And NYCFC, New York City FC, has one game in hand, and they would be sitting at 47 points if they win that, which would be one point behind us. Now, I would say those are our two biggest threats at the current moment, but let's look at their next few matches. New York Red Bulls coming up, they've got to go on the road for three matches straight. This might be one of their toughest trips, and they've got to go to Chicago, who Chicago has not been the team that they were last year, but they have the power in them to pull off a win or a tie. It's saw Bastian Schweinsteiger, who scored a he scored an absolute banger from outside the box. Did you catch that goal? It was incredible. Oh, oh Bastian's old Schweinsteiger! Yeah, 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 your old Bayern <laughs> Munich boy. He, he blasted one in. I did not see that. I'm going to have to go ch- yeah, check it out. Check that out. But after Chicago, they're going to have to make a trip to the furthest Canadian city from them and they got to go all the way to Vancouver where they've got a new Bayern Munich player playing in their uh, Canadian Carlton yeah, and they've got they've got solid players on Vancouver. Another team at Vancouver, they can make the win, and then it goes into the clash of the New Yorks. So New York City plays New York Red Bulls. Someone's going to drop points. It's going to be at New York City. So New York Red Bulls going to drop points possibly in the next three games. And then you move on to New York City FC, and they're not too, they don't have much of an easier schedule as well. They've got to go at Toronto. Toronto will be missing Mavinga, huh. thanks to him slapping someone in the face. But still, Toronto's looking like they're the Toronto of last year. And then after that, they got to go to Philadelphia, who is a great team at home. We went in there and had a tough game against them. Then they got to go play New York 
and New York comes to their home, and right after that they play Columbus. So they've got four pretty tough games. They got to go at Columbus. Yeah, everybody's sleeping on the crew. The crew is still hanging around. Definitely going to make the playoffs this year. Not sure if they're going to make, uh, you know, the game in their own city next year. They're planning on moving to Austin still, based off everything we can see. But official ATL and United stance is save the crew. They should stay in Columbus. And watch out for they just beat New York Red Bulls, so maybe they can hold on and beat New York City. As long as Atlanta takes care of them in their next game, everything will be happy. Let's talk about two teams that everyone might be sleeping on in the Supporter Shield, because obviously to our listeners that aren't super familiar with how everything works, Supporter Shield is both divisions, both conferences in the MLS combined. It is the best overall record in the MLS. It's a trophy. It would be huge for our club. It would be our first ever trophy. We are in first. FC Dallas, who we lost to at FC Dallas on the 4th of July, is creeping up. They actually have the same points per game average right now as NYCFC. They're at 42 points, but they've only played 22 games. So if they win both of their games in hand, if you will, because we've played 24 games, FC Dallas will actually be tied with us in the standings as well. Mm -hmm. We'll be ahead on goal differential. But another team to watch out for, as well as a team that came into our house and and I thought their fans put on a great display. So I'm I'm kind of a bandwagon. If I have to watch a second team and sort of cheer for them, I really like watching the Timbers. Portland is sneaking up the standings. They've only played 20 games this year, and they're already in fifth. That's four less games than us. And if they win all those games in hand, they would only be two points behind us. So, No, no, no. I think you got to do that math again, because I did that earlier. If they win all their games, they'd be one point ahead of us. Oh, they'd be in front of us. Yeah, You're right. I, and so I, I missed was, a game. Yeah. I was going to say Portland might be the sneakiest team of the bunch because of how many games back they are. Now, granted... Winning four games in hand to win all four of them is a very tough task. But Portland is a team that can do it, and they have been one of the hottest teams in the MLS since coming to Atlanta. So, And then Dallas, I'm hoping, falters. They've got a tough road test in Seattle this weekend. Yeah. That's one to watch. You got A lot of people go to Seattle and come home disappointed. Uh, and then a couple weeks down the road, they go to Houston again, where they lost a very tough game to Houston, and that's a rivalry game between those two. So I'm hoping for Dallas to kind of falter. And my team to watch out for is Portland, playing in that weaker Western Conference. Yeah, you know the dream of the 90s is alive in Portland. But <laughs> what do you mean by that? I don't know. You've never seen Portlandia? Uh, only once. Yeah, put it on your Netflix queue. It's the very first episode. It's a fantastic show. All right. Uh, yeah, and we all know how tough Dallas playing at Houston. We all obviously remember our preseason, preseason game at Houston earlier in the year. But we don't discuss that. So, but... After all that, all those stats and who everyone else plays, all that really matters is Atlanta United taking care of their own business. So we just need to go out there and win as many games, if not all of them, throughout the rest of the season, and we'll be in first place. We'll get to the CONCACAF Champions League, and we'll go to the MLS Cup. We'll win the finals. We'll win everything. But we got to win, and, and we have the opportunity, and we're playing – the teams that we should beat. We have a big one coming up against the crew, our last home game in August. We go play in Disney World one more time against our favorite mouse friends. And and then after that, our, the schedule is very favorable to us winning a lot of games. We have DC United, we have Colorado, San Jose, Real Salt Lake, all very beatable teams. And... Thanks to our wonderful road record, most of those games are on the road. So it just says that we're probably going to win them all, right? I hope. Uh, 
until next time until next week <laughs> you guys thank you for listening this has been fun go have a lot of fun around the city this week watch some mls soccer to catch up on the other teams or go to play uh, some sports outside go watch some concerts drink beer just have fun reggae mon this has been atlians united go subscribe look us up tell your friends give us five stars we love you guys and good night jamming good morning good afternoon i want to jam it with you